I don't know how you are, but I am absolutely thrilled that Thanksgiving has just been past my favorite time of the year as Thanksgiving to Christmas, and it's just such a, a, an amazing experience, I know, for our family. Um, my mom and dad are here. Where are you, mom and dad? You here somewhere? Go ahead and stand. Let's give my mom and dad a hand as they're here. Thank you. You could be seated. I really did that because my dad's an introvert and he can't stand having to stand in front of everyone, so there's power in the microphone. And uh, the other thing I would say is that children are just incredible to have in the sense of, you know, when my parents were coming for Thanksgiving to our house, normally we go to theirs, but they came to Charlottesville from Greenville, South Carolina. They came here this year. Um, there's so much leverage when you have kids. It's, Mom, could you please make us these things? And if you want to see the children, you'll have those as you walk through the door. And if you don't, my kids will disappear. One other thing that I want to reference is that there has been a request at times at City that there would be more of a time of an in-depth study into Scripture. So what's going to happen throughout our Advent series is every Tuesday, and it's in the center leaf of your news feed, from 7 to a little bit after 8 o'clock, we're going to relook at whatever the sermon has been for Sunday morning, and we'll be meeting over at City Church Central in the main auditorium from 7 to 8 plus uh, is the time that we'll be doing that. I'd, for those of you who are kind of interested in the deeper things of Scripture, we're going to be tackling those together. My son Peter and I will be doing that. He's going to be sharing one of the, the sermon series in our Advent series but again, every Tuesday from 7 to about 8-ish, we're going to be over at City Church Central. There'll be a more in-depth look at the Scripture that we'll be going over on Sunday mornings, and it will also be very much a dialogue and an interactive time. So I really want to encourage you to be there and uh, participate if that is something that interests you, as well as again this Thursday and Friday evening as Dr. Martin Sanders will be with us. What we're going to do is we're going to process together very methodically through the Christmas story. We're going to be doing this over the next several weeks as we're moving into the, the season of Advent, which begins this coming, or actually begins today. The other thing that I want to tell you is we're going to be sending out an email that will not only have a brief video of Dr. Martin Sanders so that you can kind of look and observe his teaching style, but there's also going to be in that email a link to an Advent devotional that you could use daily that will take you from tomorrow all the way through Christmas. I really encourage you to participate in that as we process together as a church family towards Christmas. What we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. The first step that we're going to take in Advent is to take an in-depth look at Emmanuel, God with us. Before we read our text, which will be found in Matthew chapter 1, before we read there, I want us to think about the Christmas story. Some of you have never read it before. 
We have a good number of people that are part of City, and you're just kind of checking out faith, and you maybe have never read the gospel account. The, the challenge is, by the way, as a pastor, is that every year you read the same Christmas story, and two of the gospels, uh, they're the only ones that really highlight the Christmas story. Everything we know about Christmas really is taken from one of two gospels. We'll be looking at the gospel of Matthew. But it becomes kind of a challenge to say, well, what is there? What's fresh and what's new? But as I've been reading those gospel stories this year in preparation for the Advent series, what deeply touched me is how raw and real the Christmas story is. Oftentimes, our, our vision or view of Christmas is very sanitized through Hallmark. We get these Hallmark cards where everything is prim and proper, and it's absolutely beautiful, and I know there was a beauty to the whole reality of Jesus becoming Emmanuel, God taking on flesh and stepping into this world. But if you read the gospel accounts, here's where, what you're going to discover. The gospel accounts of Emmanuel, God with us, is unpredictable. It's chaotic, it's raw, and it's real. Jesus coming into this world was incredibly disruptive, incredibly disruptive, albeit for the better. But if you were to read the gospel accounts, and the Matthew account that we're going to focus on this morning is the account of Joseph. Luke's account picks up the story of Mary. And so what we do in the book of Matthew is we look at Joseph's account, and it begins in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1 where it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. What it goes on to tell us is this. It tells us that Mary is pregnant. Joseph, as the one who's engaged to her, discovers her pregnancy. Think about how raw and real that must have been. He knows it's not him. And yet, here he is in this engagement to Mary. And in the midst of this engagement, she shows up as being with child. And the gospel account in Matthew tells us that Joseph wrestles with this news and he makes the decision he will divorce her quietly. What we know according to the law of Moses, she could have been publicly shamed and even stoned to death for her pregnancy. But Joseph is a righteous man. He is a kind person. And in the midst of this confusion of Mary showing up pregnant and through the uneasiness of it, he determines he will divorce her quietly and therefore save her life. And as he is pondering this, and as he is wrestling with it, and again, you can get the rawness of it, the Bible tells us that an angel appears to Joseph. We pick up our reading in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Here's what it says. But after he, meaning Joseph, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people 
from their sins. If you were to look in the gospel and continue to read, you'd discover that Joseph gets up and in obedience to the angelic message, he takes Mary home. I often have pondered what that conversation must have been like where Joseph goes to gather Mary because she would have been with her family. He went to gather her and bring her and take her home. Can you imagine the conversation that would have happened? Mary, I know that you said you were pregnant, and I'm here to take you home. Can you imagine the flood of relief that must have processed through her soul? The one that she loves, the one that loves her has had a turn of heart and mind, and now he has come to take her home to be his wife. And as he does this, can you imagine the conversation? I think it went something like this. Hey Mary, an angel appeared to me and told me that you had conceived, and it was of the Holy Spirit. And she said, Joseph, that's exactly what I've been telling you has happened to me. And we know that Mary knew of this because the angel in Luke chapter 1 verse 35, again the Lucan account is about Mary, the Matthew account is about Joseph. The angel had come to her and had announced to her that she was going to be with child and being a woman under, who understands biology. She had said to the angel, how in the world can this be because I am a virgin? And the angelic host had announced to her that you, O Mary, Mary the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born from your womb will be called the Son of God. So Mary knew this already. She knew what had happened in her life. But can you imagine trying to explain that to the one that you love? Joseph, I'm pregnant. Imagine Joseph's response. He says, you're kidding me, who is it? Hmm, it's God. Joseph, the Holy Spirit overshadowed me, and now I'm with child. Can you imagine Joseph? Yeah, sure, right. Heard a lot of stories, Mary, about how this happens, but that takes the cake. I'm out. And he goes home, and as he goes home, the Holy Spirit has done that work in Mary. The Holy Spirit has overshadowed her and now her womb contains the Son of God. And she ends up there, isolated, waiting for Joseph's response. And yet here we read in Matthew that the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and speaks to him and says this to him. The child that is in Mary's womb is of the Holy Spirit. Man, what a conversation. You know, it doesn't happen often, but there are times in my own marriage 
where my wife and I will enter into a conversation about what we think we should do. And it's again not often, but I have noticed at the critical junctures of our life where we've had big decisions to make, where we will say, let's pray about this and we'll come together. And as we do, we will sit down to discuss it. And in the critical decisions of life, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit has spoken to her and spoken to me and said, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the way that you're to go. Oh, the grace of God. But looking at this story, you cannot help but notice that the Holy Spirit is the one through which she has conceived. And now in her womb, she contains the Son of God. Can you imagine? Oftentimes, I joke with my wife. Friend, don't forget to eat for two. Can you imagine saying to Mary, if you're Joseph, don't forget to eat. You have God in your belly. Eat enough now, because you have God inside of you. When you look at this story, and almost all biblical scholars, when they talk about Mary's conception and the Holy Spirit coming upon her, that sense of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her, instantly theologians and Bible scholars go right to the Genesis creation account where the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters. And as the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters, creation which has been chaotic and bleak and not able to bring life, the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters, and then the creation story takes a trajectory of life and hope and fulfillment and destiny. That same Holy Spirit now overshadows Mary and brings life into her womb. And if you were to read on in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it'll be up on the screen, and it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Isaiah 7.14 has now been fulfilled. Can you imagine? God is now with us. That's an amazing thought to me. It's an amazing thought to look at Christmas and to look at our church as we move towards Christmas and we ponder again that Emmanuel, God became human. God took on incarnation. God literally walked this earth. The God that shook the mountains in the Older Testament. The God that spoke all of creation into existence. This all-powerful God. The God that would think and stuff would happen. The God who would just move His hand and armies would be defeated. The God who spoke the world into existence now enters into a mother's womb. And Mary now has a child. And because of this, there's excitement in the heavenly realms that announces Isaiah 7.14 has now been accomplished. Emmanuel, God is now with humankind. He is with us. 
is with us. I don't know if you've noticed, but one person can make a huge difference, just one. I like winter only for one reason, actually two. Number one, I have heat in my house, and then number two is because I used to play ice hockey when I was young. This is kind of in reference to how one individual can make a difference. I played on a hockey team in Nina, Wisconsin, and I know that my mom and dad are here and just have to thank them for how many snowdrifts they stood in as they looked over the boards onto, on a hockey rink while they cheered and shouted and encouraged us as we played hockey. But I can remember one year our team was relatively good. Then all of a sudden, the coach announces to us that we have a new player on our team. His name was Skeeter Moore. He was the best ice hockey player I ever saw in my life. And the coach announced that Skeeter Moore was going to be part of our team, that his family had moved to Nina, Wisconsin, and our coach was obviously excited. Here was the game plan all year. Get Skeeter the puck. That was the entire game plan. Just get him the puck and then just go, wow, and watch him play. He's what you would call a phenom. So what we did all season long is we just fed Skeeter the puck, and that kid had more goals than you would know what to do with. And then we entered into the state tournament. This will impress you. It was the Pee-wee B squirt state championship game. I was the second worst kid on the team. I never skated in the entire state tournament. It's called riding the pine. That's what I did. I would skate from the snow drift over to where our team was behind the boards. I would sit there. The team would play. Then I would skate back across and get in my parents' car. But you see, we had Skeeter Moore. He was a phenom, and everyone just fed him the puck. And lo and behold, we won the Wisconsin State Squirt B Championship (laughs) ice hockey tournament that year. And I'm going to tell you, thank you very much. I still have the trophy, although I lost that little cheap decal that was on the front of it, but I know what it stands for. Man, it was exciting. But here's what happened. Next season, we're getting ready, and the coach announced to us that Skeeter's family had moved. The reason why they moved is because the team in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, was better than us. Even though we had beaten them in the state tournament, they were better than us as a team. So his family physically moved to Fond du Lac so he could play for that team because they were a better team. And they literally crushed us every time they played us from then on. You know, what I learned is one person can make a difference, but if you rely on them too much and they leave, you're in trouble. So our team was getting crushed. When he left, our team left. You know what's amazing about the story of the birth of Jesus is that it comes out of the Holy Spirit hovering over Mary. Jesus steps into this world, and at the age of approximately 30, people begin to identify him as the one in whom Israel has been waiting. He's the Messiah. 
He is Emmanuel, God with us. And 12 ragtag people gather around him and they begin to declare that he is the Messiah, that he is the God-man, that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. And they're following him and they're pursuing him. And so much of what they thought was true about God, he exploded their false paradigms. It took three and a half years for them to even get to the place where they could be un- begin to understand how desperately, desperately God loves sinners. And it took Emmanuel, God with us, to achieve that. But there became a problem. In every single gospel, there's a point in every gospel where Jesus makes this announcement, guys, I'm going to leave. Guys... I'm exiting. And it won't just be a normal exit. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. They will torture me and beat me and they will crucify me. And it sent shockwaves through the disciples and anyone that listened to the point to where the captain of the team, Peter, argues with Jesus and says that can't be true. And here's why Peter would have done that was because in Jewish theology, the Messiah will never die. He will live forever. So Peter rebukes Jesus, you cannot do that. And inasmuch as Skeeter Moore is exiting our team, that's what it would be like. The key player, the one that has helped you win, has announced that he's going to be gone. And the Scripture's clear. It is Emmanuel, God with us, announces his exit, that depression hits the disciples. But in the midst of that, Jesus announces something. We can find it in John chapter 16, verse 5. After announcing in the book of John that he's going to be exiting, 16.5 tells us this, None of you asks, why are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, listen to what he says. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send them to you. You know, one of the lamest coaching, encouraging talks I've ever heard in my life was what our coach said to us at the beginning of the year after Skeeter Moore had left. Here's what he said. He said, now each one of you have the opportunity to rise up and be as great as Skeeter Moore. We all knew he was totally wrong. We absolutely were sure. None of us were as good as Skeeter Moore, nor would we ever be. We knew that. We'd all dreamed of playing in the Olympics, me among them. But Skeeter Moore hit me so hard The first time we played Fond du Lac, I felt like I needed to pick my skull up and put it back on my body. And that was the day I knew I was done with ice hockey. I was never going to be as good as this guy. And when Jesus says to his disciples, I'm Emmanuel, God with you, but I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And it shook them to the core. And Jesus' pep talk was this. It is good for you that I'm going away, because if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Gospels tell us, and the Newer Testament tells us, 
that when Jesus exited and the Holy Spirit came, that people began to do the same things that Jesus was doing. You see, the story of Jesus and Emmanuel, God with us, it begins and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit hovers over Mary and people are rejoicing as Christ is born and they're announcing, Emmanuel, God is with us. But remember, that was initiated by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, as he's exiting and preparing his disciples for his exit, he says to them, it is good that I would go, because if I go, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will rise up, and you'll do the things that I've been doing, and the works that I've started, you'll continue to do the same works. As I look at this, I love the story of Emmanuel, God with us. But please understand this. He is still with us. He is still with us. And He's with us because the Holy Spirit is with us. The same Holy Spirit that initiated Emmanuel is the same Holy Spirit that Christ has sent. And you and I have access to the fullness of that. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about Martin Sanders being here Thursday and Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and next Sunday, because for many of us, we look at Jesus and we get really excited, but then we look at the Holy Spirit and our attitude changes. How can that be when Jesus says, I am Emmanuel, God with us, but as I exit, I will send the Holy Spirit, and when I send Him, receive Him fully. Receive Him fully. You see, Jesus was God in the flesh, and He truly did fulfill the book of Isaiah when the prophet said, the virgin will be with child, and Emmanuel, God, will be with humankind. But please know this, it has never stopped. Jesus exited, and He sent us the Holy Spirit, and God became flesh and dwelt among us. And Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled that Emmanuel, God is with us. But in taking on flesh, Jesus then out of grace and love for you and love for me, sent the Holy Spirit so that Emmanuel, God with us, would still be true. I have a question as we move towards Christmas. Are you open to the Holy Spirit the same way you're open to the person of Jesus? Are you? I think many of us have missed out on God's best because when it comes to Jesus, we're all in. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we say, oh, I'm not so sure. But here's what I would like to encourage you with. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is all about Emmanuel, God with us. And the Holy Spirit hovers over Mary. And the result is Jesus. And I believe with all of my heart that the same Holy Spirit is here this morning to do a new work and a fresh work and an encouraging work in your heart and in your life. 
be assured of this. The Spirit of God will never do anything that Jesus wouldn't do, ever. You can trust the Spirit. You may say, well, why are you stressing this? It's simple. Because I believe that the Christmas gift that Jesus gives you and I is the Spirit. That's the gift that He has sent out into this world. It's what He's done for us through His birth, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. But remember this, the Bible says Jesus was raised from the dead, and the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you and dwells in me the moment we say yes to Christ. But as every gift that's given, it must be unwrapped. It's got to be utilized. It must be applied. I want to encourage you. Emmanuel, God with us. He's still with us through the power of His Spirit. Let's stand together as we move towards communion. As we move towards communion, if you're here and you do not have the communion elements, you didn't catch them as you were coming through the door, please raise your hand high. We have people that are prepared to move towards you and to serve you communion. So if we could do that at this time, if someone could grab the tray back to my right and just begin to come down the aisle with that, I would appreciate that. Just kind of make eye contact with the person that's serving, kind of look at them and make sure that you're served. What we're going to do as we stand together is we're going to take just a moment to worship. And as we worship, would you be open to Emmanuel, God with us? That right now in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus gave us this promise where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. How is he with us? He's with us through the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that He gave us. So as we worship now together, let's open our hearts to Him. And can we say with confidence that Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's worship. When I survey the wondrous Love and 
Let's hold the emblems up before the Lord. The Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. He took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this, remembrance of me. As we hold the bread before the Lord, let's give thanks that God took on flesh and dwelt among us. That as we hold these communion emblems, we are announcing by faith that Emmanuel, God is with us. We announce through trust and faith that the story of Matthew is true. God came into this world and took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, thank you for the incarnation. Thank you that you came to take on flesh. Thank you that we can say with confidence that Emmanuel, God, is with humankind. That there's a God who knows and has lived in this world, took on full human reality. So he knows who we are, what we're facing. The scriptures tells us that Jesus in his body, his body was broken so that we may be healed. What I know is in this auditorium, there are individuals that are here with us. And this morning, you need God to be with you. That you're in the midst of a trial and you're in the midst of suffering. Know this, that on the cross, Jesus partners with you in the midst of the storm of your life. That he did not avoid the pain and the suffering that this world has to give. But he took it all upon himself. That you can say in this moment, God is with me. I can't understand what I'm facing or why I'm facing it. It's filled with confusion and chaos. What I would ask for you this morning is that the Holy Spirit would overshadow you, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and that God in the midst of your chaos would create peace and joy and strength. Dear Jesus, thank you for your broken body. Let's partake together. Scripture goes on to say in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup. When he took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you that as you announced you would exit this world, you followed through with the divine plan of God. That that one that came into this world exited this world and bled and died for us. Jesus, thank you for the new covenant that's in you. Thank you for this cup. Thank you for this cup, the cup of redemption. Let's partake together. The Bible goes on to read, for whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death.
until he comes. Can we just take a moment as we close our eyes in God's presence one more time? Can we thank him for Emmanuel, God with us, and thank God for the working of his Holy Spirit where we can still say with confidence, Emmanuel, God with us, the Spirit of God is the gift of Christ to us throughout this Advent season. Let's continue to worship through this chorus. Then I'll return and we'll have our final benediction and blessing. Let's worship with all of our hearts as we sing together. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his peace be upon you. And can we say together in one voice, Emmanuel, God with us. Are you ready? Emmanuel, God with us. One more time. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen and amen. God bless you. Make sure that you give someone a high five, a hug, or a handshake before you exit. If you would like prayer, our prayer team is down front to pray with you and to pray for you. God bless you. Have an awesome week as Emmanuel, God with you.